How's how's things, Todd? Uh, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So uh, you said you're in uh, UK, right? So you said, is it nighttime there? Yeah, 6 p.m. Okay. So my day is almost over and your day's only starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one, <laughs> it's like one o'clock here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was on spaces before with American people and the getting the times lined up was, it was just, it was like a big jigsaw puzzle. It was so difficult. Got it, got it. Wow, yeah, you have a pretty strong accent, man. Uh, sounds cool. Yeah, so I found out since doing this podcast. Didn't think it was very strong, but all my DMs and comments are about how strong my accents become. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, thanks for um, inviting me to the uh, to the space, man. Appreciate it. No problem at all. I thought that your kind of story and your background would be it'd be quite interesting. To be fair, I don't. To be honest, I come to guess this podcast. I don't really have a criteria. Just kind of think if you've something quite interesting that we yeah. could talk about, it would be a good idea. Yeah, well, I like that. I mean, shit, you had some pretty good topics uh, you put. Like, I mean, I, I sent you that Zuckerberg video, dude. I, I, like, I'll, anyway, that's a good one. But, like, just business. Like, I, I, I'm pretty good with business. So, like, if, if it's a podcast that would be for business, you know, I could certainly probably be productive there. Yeah. yeah, there's no problem. I think that, well, obviously, no, obviously, with the whole trends of business being a big thing on social media, and I think there's there's so many different avenues we could talk about in terms of that now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So many. So, before we get started, I've I've kind of butchered myself in my last two guests. I had a Finnish person last uh, space, and pronouncing his name was not easy in the slightest. I know I've I don't even know where to start with your surname. Oh my! Uh, oh, it's French, so CUNY. It's uh, you you kind of pronounce it with a Q, really to the K, but it's CUNY. CUNY. Yeah, uh, right. I was wondering. It's always that Q, that K, and U combo. It gets me confused with every word. Yeah, yeah. But mo- most people they'll say something like Quinny <laughs> or Kenny. Kenny, you know. So yeah. See, things. I put it in. I put it in Google Translate and. Uh, Quinny was what was coming out with every time, but I just couldn't see how it translates. Yeah, you say it more like a raw Q, you know, it's like CUNY, like, you know, yeah. Yes, yes, I get you. But I, that was the only struggle I had and I cleared up. So I suppose I may as well get started. There never really as many people that come live to this, to be honest. This is more what I use just to record the space because it doesn't, it doesn't really destroy your audio in any way. It just kind of uploads it as it is, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't really yeah. need to wait on anybody. So yeah, and no, and by the way, no worries, man. I, I love just uh, taking the time to just uh, you know talk too. So it's all, all good, man. Yeah, I'm the same to be honest. I kind of was at the start worried about people not joining, but now as I've came on, like, I've spoke to two people from two completely different backgrounds, two completely different like parts of the world, and I enjoyed it more than anything really. I, I, I was honest to the point where I don't even care if anybody listens or not. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get started. Tell me who is Todd Cuny? Um uh yeah, so actually there was another I did another podcast um with a guy named Aurora. Actually uh his um and I'm just gonna give him a quick shout out because I did one with him too, just uh if you are recording it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so he had a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so my, my background and who I am, I mean, I'm, I'm really just, a, yeah, my name's Todd Cuny. I'm just a business slash entrepreneur. Uh, and I would say like software engineer at heart, you know, so that's, I would say that's like, if I was to summarize me, it's kind of like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the buzzword lately, which is entrepreneurs, been thrown around quite frequently now, like with free wall. So could you define entrepreneur, entrepreneur as someone who is a seasoned businessman? Yeah, I think like, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's, I, it's changed for me over the years, right? Like when I first started, it was like just somebody I thought who ran a business, you know, but, but I, but I, I think an entrepreneur really is like, I mean, if you, you could say there's like failed entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs, but I, I think like if you were to like, even collectively put them together and say, what is an, it's someone that's willing to try to, um, 
better or provide services or, you know, uh, things to people, you know, in, in a more cost effective way or in a, in a better way. And it's willing to kind of go through that process, right? That it's kind of like a, I would say capital-esque like mindset, if you, if you will. Um, but does that make sense? Yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense. I asked you more because kind of with the rise of things like TikTok and Instagram and having to show off, it kind of seems like everyone's an entrepreneur. So it was I wanted to pose the question to someone who quite literally is an entrepreneur, so they could give what the real definition of it is, rather than someone selling eBooks online. Yeah, and 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 I like I, well, I, I, that's a fair point. I would say a real entrepreneur. If you were to ask me, like, what a I I kind of gave you like a vague def, but if if I was to say like what a real entrepreneur, like a successful entrepreneur, it's someone that doesn't give up and is willing to see through to their goal, right? If you know, depending on what their goals are, or, you know, things like that. But it's someone that's really you know that has thick skin and not willing to give up easily, you know. Yeah. So it's quite obvious that you're American and. Seems to be that America, Americans more tend more to go for that definition that you're thinking about, that you're talking about, kind of going for if they have an idea that could change the world, they go for it instead of, I know a lot in the UK and in other European countries, it's kind of, it's almost looked at, it's almost looked at with a big shadow if you decide to do that, if you decide to go against the grain and do something other than a basic corporate job really and it's quite it's quite cool being on Twitter and stuff, talking to people who are all from these different countries. Because I spoke to Kai Carrer yesterday, and he was talking about how he runs a podcast with one of his friends, and in Finland it blew up so much because so many people in Finland wanted to do it, they just didn't have the confidence to do it. So the fact that he was able to do it, it almost made him an idol to those people in Finland. Whereas I think of someone in the UK done it. It would kind of be, it would kind of be looked down on. It would kind of be torn apart. And then you can, and if you look on the other side in America, if it was brought up in a conversation, it always, it always would be like people would encourage you to do it. They would always push you to do it. They always make you feel like you're stupid if you didn't go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, I think it's all all good points. And and I would even add, like you know, for me. Um, yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of ways to start a business. You know, you know, I used to think it was really only kind of one where it's like you had to build some, you know, crazy world changing tech, you know, but but I, but I, I, you know, I think, you know, it's just kind of a spectrum. You can start like you don't actually have to be technical. Maybe you just know business or maybe, you know, a certain niche or certain things like that. Um, you know, but but I but I but I but I'm like you know I've noticed people that ha- that are super smart in tech that have started businesses that are successful, but I've also like know people that are like have no idea what tech is, but have a successful like tech startup. Like, it's kind of crazy, like when you think of it like that. But um, I think I don't know why I'm saying that, but I think that's important or relevant to the point that you made. Yeah, well, it does all link together. To be fair, whenever you think about it on that same topic, so we'll get more into now you as an entrepreneur so the main thing that people if they googled you would come up would be patient wing yeah so patient wing um yeah but i mean so patient wing well funny enough it started as a company called vital tracks right so if you actually look, that was the next that was the next company wrote down in my thing so they're both together then well so they it was like a pivot right so the the company started uh, it started more as um, like data, electro, electronic data capture uh, in like drug development or clinical research, right? So it was kind of, they call it the term that they use is EDC, but it kind of stands for electronic data capture. And at the time the business was starting, we were kind of getting into a section called EPRO, which is um, patient reported outcomes or, you know, electronic patient reported outcomes. And one of the kind of pushes and things we were looking into is how like, you know, for uh, that data capture, what kind of, um, you know, streamlined efficiency or workflows can be provided with that. And and we were, that was like kind of like the first uh, area we were looking at because ePro was kind of hot or like it was something that, you know, was kind of buzzing at the time. And so we, you know, kind of looked at what was around. But then I think over time, what we started to notice, um, and this is kind of where Vital Tracks became patient wing, but we noticed that hey, like the, the bigger issue in drug development, right, is is kind of the 
the patient recruitment process, so to speak, and, and that overall, I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. So, so that's kind of then where we pivoted and focused, and then we were able to gain some traction uh, with that problem, let's say. Yeah, so how long ago was Vitotrack, seeing as that was the first one? How long ago was that before that was created? So I, so, uh, so Vitotrack, I think it started back in 2016, uh, like a beginning of 2016. So that was pre-COVID, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know maybe if the article maybe I was reading was maybe just, it might have been just false information, but it was talking about how Patient Wing was kind of founded around that COVID time. No, well, it was before COVID, right? So it was definitely before it. <laughs> uh, COVID had, didn't hit for like two years after. Like Patient Wing kind of came out, I'd say in 2018. Uh, so like, again, the pivot was right around I'd say end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And then when we started getting into patient recruitment and we already had some traction at that point and then COVID hit and it actually like kind of hurt a little bit, but there were like, you know, some pharmas were hurt, but some weren't. And so there was, you're able to at least stay alive during it, you know? Yeah. So through that time of COVID, obviously as a business owner, what what was what was that like? Because I know like the average person was suffering to some degree. So I could only imagine how it was as a business owner. It must have been fairly brutal. Say, so, uh, can you can you repeat that? Sorry, my bad. So I just I just wanted to ask through the COVID period of lockdowns and things being shut down. What was that period like as a business owner? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. Um. Well, it's, it's, it's funny, uh, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've always been like, I'm always on the side. I like to kind of go into a place of work uh, or at least like have the ability to do it and kind of regularly have at some interval do it kind of keeps you, you know, even if it's just a couple of days a week or something like that. And then you work remote um, a few other days a week. But I'm also OK with remote work, too. Like, you know, and I, I think pr even prior to COVID. Uh, remote work was starting to get more um, more relevant. And, and at that time, like my company was already in a shared space. So a lot of us worked remote anyway, because we were recruiting kids like out of college, you know, or, or, you know, with little experience. So like they were kind of far off anyway. And so they might not have been able to travel right away. And so they were work working remotely. So things like that. So it wasn't like we weren't really prepared at all in that sense. Um, but, but as a business owner, it's hard because it's hard to keep track of what people are doing or if they're even doing anything or like, and so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot that, you know, you kind of go through, uh, it makes you go through a process to kind of learn or keep better manage or maintain it, let's say. Yeah. Did COVID itself have any major effects on the business? Cause obviously I know in my local area, the COVID, I, I, a lot of times it, almost shattered businesses yeah well it's so you know it's funny so at the time when COVID actually hit so i had stepped away from patient wing and i was working if you actually looked at my linkedin i worked at another company called the tour guy mm -hmm. um and so like when patient wing first started like it it wasn't like all sunshine and rainbows like in fact i wasn't even able to pay myself i was struggling and just doing work on the side until we got like cash flow positive, which is what we were working towards. And so one of the things that I, I you know, I had built a lot of the initial tech. Uh, and so at that point, it was more just kind of sales and like, you know, some maybe some services or implementation to kind of get a customer like in production or something like that. But, um, you know, but but at the end of the day, I, you know, it, I think I think, um, you know, you, you know, that's kind of how you kind of make, manage it or make it better, if that makes sense. Yeah, you mentioned something that goes on notice quite a lot whenever people talk about the world of business was that you didn't, you weren't really making enough cash for to pay yourself. As a business owner, someone who the, the end goal really is to make it your life, is to make that business your life. What is that feeling like? Having to kind of tell yourself that you're going to have to work on this business relentlessly to get it off the ground, and you're not going to be paid for it. You'll probably lose money doing it. Yeah. Uh yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, well, I, I, I think the way I, like the way I did it, um, is I tried to minimize that, that risk a little bit. Like, so I, 
like I, I didn't just start a company just to start a company. I, I worked for people for a while and then just kind of observed what I could. And so the first company I started, I, I you know, one, one of the things I learned early on was like, if you are going to start a business, you, people can do it on their own and I'm not, it's nothing against that or, you know, and I think everyone kind of has their own journey, but I, I kind of went through more of like, Hey, I worked for somebody till I saw some opportunity. And then I took uh, uh, kind of a, a shot at that. And I, so I think, um, sometimes it's just, I think at the end of the day, it's just hard work no matter what you do, but you have to kind of find your way through it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. There's a fitness influencer called James Smith. He's, I say he's a fitness influencer. He's made his name making fun of the fitness industry, but he has this quote that he's, he says in most of his videos that if you can work hard for to achieve someone else's dream. Imagine how hard you'd work to achieve your own. Is that something that comes to mind when you think of the starting days of vital tracks and patient one? Yeah, exactly. 100%. You should send me uh, send me that. Um, yeah, that, that's spot on, dude. <laughs> I will send you. He's on a podcast with a guy from the UK, Chris Williamson, and they do, that's pretty much that this title and the first line of the podcast is that quote and they just kind of go off about it for about an hour and it's amazing. So I will send you that definitely after this. Yeah. 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 And again, dude, I, I think like the, the biggest mistake people, um, uh, in my opinion, make, and, and it's usually a very expensive mistake or at least like, so you, like a lot of times people will literally just start a business like just to start a business. And, and let me give you an example. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could start it. You could kind of niche down, let's say like by a certain type of technology or type of product or, or area in like an industry, or it could be like a different type of vertical where maybe it's like you're into recycling and you're just like, you know, so there's a lot of different ways you can kind of do it. But if, if you just start a business just to start it without a problem, Right. A lot of times people will like try to build and prototype and do things. And, and that's a much harder path. Not to say you can't do it that way. But I think if the technology already exists, there's not there's it becomes less reason to do that more intensely, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I do. I do like the way you worded that, to be fair. There, I, I was always brought up knowing that there is two two ways to basically start a business for to to have a business or for passion. But. Unfortunately, now there's another one that a lot of people are creating a business purely for money. They think that they think the same about a business as they do with content creation and going viral. That you're just gonna set up your business, at you're gonna get all the the right details, the right IDs, and all of a sudden you're a millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a sad reality. It's becoming unfortunately. Yeah. No, but and 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 but but they see people. But like the, the thing is, people do. It does happen, right? You know, so so like people then like try to do that. You know, it's weird. Yeah, it does happen. People are kind of being hypnotized a lot. There was there's some been so many tweets of people that I follow that talk about like how people look on social media and they see maybe a 22 year old with a flourishing business and millions of dollars and like sparkling cars and stuff and they think wow he's done that in a year but they don't realize that for that since that he's maybe started that business when he was 14 and for seven years he's been petrified to take a picture of anything he's done and he hasn't had anything nice to take a picture of <laughs> yeah dude yeah no 100 percent, man I, like it's just like most businesses don't just like like you know yeah it's <clears throat> always hard work dude and and, and actually, there's, I would say there's a lot of failure in just in of, in of itself. But I would say even beyond that, like there's failures like getting your startup going, right? And then there's failures actually getting your startup going. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think like, and then, and then that's, you know, if someone walks away after that, then you kind of have to retrospect and say, like, okay, like, well, you know, but I, um, yeah, if that makes sense. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah. So, with vital tracks and patient wing, they're obviously quite closely linked to the healthcare sector. What was the reason behind going into that sector specifically? Yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, I don't know. My, uh, I, I think, um, I don't know. I think like like disease, like you know, my my family's been struck by a lot of disease, and so I think healthcare. 
um, just something I'm just personally invested in. And, and I think that there's a lot of like, but more important, I think there's a lot of opportunity for improvement maybe in, in certain areas. And so I think, you know, that's kind of maybe what initially attracted me to it. And then, you know, I started the business uh, or at least patient wing or vital tracks with, you know, one, the other advice I give is like, when I started my business, I tried to start it with like other people that were already successful, already yeah. rich and, 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 and then tried to kind of pick up like things from them as, you know, you know, as I, as I went, but um, anyway, but yeah, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it was kind of like a dragon, dragon's den type of approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if someone maybe listening maybe would is wanting to follow that idea. So, how do you approach someone who, as you say, is successful in their own right and business? How do you approach them with a brand new business to get involved with? You mean like for like from like a sales perspective? Well, more well. You could say it was sales, or as you said, that you started it with these people. So, how would you? How did you approach them to go into a partnership with it? Oh, I see, I see, I see. Uh, well, so the CEO, uh, my, my, you know, my boss, he had, he had a previous startup that he had like sold, and I worked there. It was a company called Nextdoc. So it's also on the LinkedIn if you look, but it, it basically did document management for life sciences. Uh, it was kind of a platform where it used like. You know, there was like kind of some legacy tech, like this thing called Documentum and, and the way documents were managed, it was kind of outdated. And so anyway, so he had a business where he had that. And I worked there as like, an, I started as an engineer, like it was like one of my first, I think it was my first real job outside of working like, you know, for family or like, you know, with my dad or something like that. But yeah. so I got a job there and I worked up to chief architect. And then by the time he sold it, uh, I didn't really know him, but like he like knew we knew of each other or whatever. I had met him a few times and like hung out, but but uh, he had like approached me after and about a business idea he had, and I agreed to to help him do that. You know. Ah um, uh, yes, I see, I see. Yeah, so he kind of initiated it. He initiated the post part of it. Yeah, like after after that company after he sold that, he had reached out to me. Yeah. Yeah. So how heavily involved are you with these companies now? Uh, well, so, so, so patient wing, um, again, I, I still, I, so there, you know, I still do a lot there. I mean, just in terms of like the just general stuff, but I, but I've, I've transitioned a lot and I've kind of, I'm, I moved more into my own consulting, but I just do support or consulting on the side, uh, in terms of like strategy or working with their like dev teams or, or, you know, uh, marketing or analytics teams. Yeah. So. I was looking over your account again today, doing a lot of just extra research to make sure the whole topic's covered. And I've seen you now got a new link in your bio for an AI systems website. Yeah. So you mean the Claris AI? Do you mean that? Yeah. 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 So that's that. Well, so that's like if you looked on my um, LinkedIn, there's a company called Blueprints. Yeah. And so Blueprints was like. That was like, like, so when COVID hit, right, I, I don't even think I finished saying this, but I was at, um, where was I? So I was at the tour guy when COVID hit, I wasn't even at patient wing. I had stepped away. I would, I would still support like nights and weekends. Like if the system went down, I would, you know, the CEO would call me and I'd like, you know, jump in on like a midnight thing or fix something or in the middle of the day, whatever it was. So I still supported it, but I needed like money to pay. And I, cause I was having like a kid at the time. Uh, I just, oh, I actually had just had a kid. So I, my, my daughter's five and she, anyway, so she was born in 2018, but so right after that is when COVID hit. Um, and so, uh, anyway, but so, you know, I was actually, I was actually working at the tour guy when COVID hit it, the tour guy that it was, it was really bad for tourism based companies, especially the tour guy, because it was a European based, uh, tour guide company. And so when all the flights and everything shut down, people panicked and they stopped buying. And so his whole business stopped. And so then I, I was just kind of left that night. I didn't really know what to do. And I wasn't sure. Like I remember reaching out to patient wings saying, Hey, maybe I'll transition back or maybe I can look for other stuff. But that's when I decided I didn't really want to be beholden to somebody because like, you know, I, I got fired or I got let go because of some circumstance that I couldn't control or, you know, and, and it makes it, it makes you think, I think at the end of the day, yeah. you know, so what is your involvement now with this new AI? Uh, well, so it's not really an AI. I would say it's, 
you know, and I've been working on the messaging there. It's more of just a consulting company for people that, um, you know, and, and, and I think I would say it more like this. It's like not everybody even needs AI these days. And I think part of it is really distinguishing when you need it, you know, what type you need or how it would be put together. And so the, this consulting company is more just to say, hey, if you're looking to integrate AI or if you're looking to start a business and, and you, you know, or if someone's told you that if you don't implement AI, you're going to be left behind, stuff like that, right? I, I, so I think it's more of like, hey, some guidance or strategy type. Uh, sorry, that's my fridge here. Uh, it's more of like a consulting around that type of thing. Not necessarily. It's it's. I don't think it's not like another open AI. It, it's not, I'm not building like a a new AI. I'm trying to help companies uh, implement and use AI effectively, productively, and and efficiently. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was I was a topic I wanted to get into because I have someone coming on in a few weeks that I, he has his own kind of AI system type thing that he built and. It's something kind of everyone's kind of warning you about it. Everybody's kind of saying that AI is coming for you, but there's no real information out there about what AI does. So, as you said, that you're now in this, this is now like a consultancy gig. So, if a, if a business feels they could benefit from using AI, they would come to you. How would a business benefit from using AI? Well, well, yeah, I mean, well, I think one thing would be one thing that they could benefit from would be like is so I could, you know, we'll do and I've been working with my business partners, but like an example could be like a free consultation, let's say, let's say, like, do you even need AI or, you know, like it's like or, or like maybe you need it in like 12 months or maybe, you know, so I think like sometimes it's really just that to help save you money. Let's say you're starting your business and you need to save money or maybe AI can make it go much quicker and, and it's implemented. So I think looking at those things of like what you're trying to do first and then honestly looking at that and saying, could we help in some meaningful way? And if not, I'd rather recommend or, you know, part ways, or if I, we can help, let's tr do that and make sure the results are kind of what you're looking for, you know? Yeah. So if someone came to you that doesn't need help, you kind of would let them know they don't actually need it. It's not, you wouldn't be like, that tricky salesperson that would force it down your throat, even though they don't need it. Exactly, exactly. Because like my my skills more on the IT slash software dev side, right? But and I know I understand how the AI technology works, and, and so I, my expertise is more of like, hey, do you already have an existing dev team? Do you have? Do you need a new one? So a lot of the DevOps elements too, I think, are important when you kind of think about some of that. Yeah. So you mentioned at the start whenever I asked you about COVID that you were still kind of like actively recruiting people during those times. It's something. It's a topic that kind of people don't really talk about. These business owners that have flashy social media don't really speak on those sides of the business. So when it comes to recruiting someone, obviously as a normal working person, I've been through recruitment processes. But as a business owner, what's the recruitment process like for you as compared to an employee going through it? Uh, well, as a business owner, I mean, well, you know, again, at blueprints, uh, like, you know, so I'd say like, I'd say it like this, right? So when you work for somebody and you're hiring for somebody, you still want to put the effort in to do it, but you're kind of doing it at the guidelines of what's set before you. Uh, and you know, and you have to kind of work and, and it depends on things, but you can certainly be successful in that. But then, but when you're on your own, it's a little harder. You, you like for me, at least at first, when you're starting, you hire very, um, I don't know how to like, it, like very effectively. Like it's like you, you don't want to hire too much, you know, cause that's a nightmare and, but you want to get good, smart people. And, but that can be hard cause it can be expensive. And it, so there's so many like different like things that can kind of happen. And I, I think kind of trying to find that right balance, I think is key. Yeah. Have you ever had some really bad experiences when it comes to recruiting people? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I have, I, I mean, I, we've had, you know, I, I think we've had a lot of churn at patient wing. I think, that, you know, it's, you know, one of the strategies I think a lot of companies can take is to hire people out of college. Okay. Now they do this because, well, it's cheaper, right? They can find potentially good talent at a cheaper price and, and it's usually effective, um, it's usually effective and, and you can you can kind of get 
quick, get things done more efficiently or like just as efficiently, but cheaper potentially. Anyway, so a lot of companies will do that, but if, but a lot of times they'll, they'll kind of get flooded with a lot of them. And if there's too many and it, it kind of gets unbalanced, right, things can kind of cause issues. And so I think I've ran to issues, I would say more around that in terms of structuring and balance and, and like kind of making sure you have good experience versus, you know, new, new people coming in with different types of expertise and making sure that you um, synergize that properly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always like to ask that question about doing me people that have kind of recruited for their own business, because I know from seeing, uh, being involved in recruitment processes, just like uh, applying to jobs. There's been some harsh, horror, horrible experiences that I've seen come in and out the door, just sitting there waiting to go in again. Yeah. But I could just imagine as being the person at the other side of the table. It must, there must be just some situations where you walk away. Like, I don't know how that person thought this was ever going to work. Yeah. And, and, and I think the other thing too, like, um, or like one bit of advice I like with blueprints, cause blueprints actually, even though like blueprints isn't active, I it's kind of shut down now. Um, but it was pretty, it was, I wouldn't say it was successful, but it was the most successful I had been on my own. Like I, I had, I had generated like a half a million in sales in the first like six months or six to eight months. And I, and I did that, so I had got, I got, I got let go at the tour guy because of COVID, right. Or the, you know, I, you know, they, they had to cut, they had to make cuts, right. Cause they just didn't have the money. So I left there. Right. But the, he, the, I had like a month time at that point because it was like, Hey, I'll, you know, give you a little time. And then, and during that month I started my other business and that's when I started like going on Upwork and like doing all kinds of things to try to find somebody. But I was able to find a customer to pay me, uh, before even building or doing anything like I had like that was kind of like one of my moments where I was like, Oh shit. Like you don't actually have to be technical. You could sell something before you necessarily even have it. Or at least like if you have expertise in it and you understand how it would work, you can educate, you can discuss, you know, in a, in a, in a good sense with a potential customer. And so I, that's where I learned that. And then I was able to sign a deal and fund my business on the first deal. So that's where I learned how to do that. Uh, but yeah, that's it's quite rare that you hear these stories of customers coming to you before you've actually began the business. I don't want people listening to think that's a normal thing. That's very rare. But so do you obviously must be you obviously must have some kind of skill and sales to be able to do things like that. Would you say that's important as as a whole in business to have that element that you could sell at any point? Yeah, well, no, no, I didn't. And that's so part of that transition moment, you know, when I was doing it, there was a guy I watched on YouTube. Um, his name was his name was Jonathan Stark. I don't know if you ever heard his name, no. uh, but check him out. He, he, he had like a, but he was like kind of like a consultant and he just ran like a mobile development consultants you know, agency. But he had like a series of YouTube videos that he did that I watched and I found extremely helpful and that's how i learned you can sell without building anything and he tells you exactly how to do it like it's like what you do is you just try to go find people for a problem or a specific area that you're trying to do in and then you just start promoting yourself as an expertise and you kind of start networking that way and that's how you can kind of start getting that initial sale and that's and, and it works like i think it's a, you have to kind of go through it to kind of get it, but I think it was a good channel that that I that I learned a lot from it when I was starting out at first, you know, like for a consulting company. Yeah. So was Blueprints the first thing you went out on to your own? With? On my own, own like a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 What was that experience like? Because I can imagine the day before that first day could be pretty daunting. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, I again, I was scared, dude. It was like. When I lost my job and I was thinking of starting something new, you get that feeling in your stomach, dude. Like you're like, shit, what am I going to do now? I had just worked and you don't even, the future is not necessarily clear. And then you're like, you're not sure what to do. And then it was like, okay. So I think you just kind of get that feeling in your stomach. And I think it, it's what drives you to, to, to want to uh, do better, you know, you know? Yeah. So when you, when that, topic came up in conversation when your normal day life about that you were going to go and start on your own what was the general public opinion like oh I, I didn't tell anybody i just went and did it 
Uh, that was that's smart. That's actually very. I just smart. fucking went. I just because... went and did it, and I was like, and then and then I, I I was like, fuck it, I'll just try. Like, I, and I even put my own money in. I like I bought. In fact, it was actually probably the most successful lead or the most successful channel I had during my my own marketing. Because when I started it, I did like the sales and the marketing and then you know some of the dev stuff uh but but you know i just i went to a company there was a company i found on linkedin uh where they'll just give you leads and they'll set them up with like calls on your calendar automatically and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do or whatever and and close leads that way and i found that pretty helpful uh because then it would bring me leads in areas where i knew how to talk to the people you know yeah you've mentioned linkedin quite a lot and it's gonna it has sparked quite a quite a trending topic such to say in my mind now at the minute yeah. but the big thing now at the minute is a big emphasis on networking how much did linkedin help you with networking yeah i mean again linkedin like i you know i know there's a lot going on with that right now uh, and and again i say it because this is i was using this was happening back in 2018 i i haven't i mean linkedin i i, I used to like it a lot just because it kind of gave you a way like if you ask me, if you look at like there's like Facebook and LinkedIn, they're kind of like the only way you really differentiate those two, so to speak, is really at like as as that business one's business oriented, one's not, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of like that. I, now I I mean, can you? Uh, I don't necessarily know if you need to separate them like that or if like, um, but LinkedIn I, I found it good because you could at least connect with like there was less junk, less noise or less nonsense, you could kind of get right to the business of things, right? So I think that's kind of what I did like about it. But you can find that on other things too, like Upwork. Upwork, actually, I think, um, well, I was, I between that and kind of this this marketing thing, I was able to get Blueprint started. But Upwork was really successful too. I got two big clients from Upwork, you know. Um, yeah, Upwork is, like, is the freelancing site it, it is and is and if you're careful you can kind of pick out bigger projects from people on it or if you spend enough time on it you know yeah yeah i have a guy on telegram that i, sp I speak to quite regularly not as much though but he is a graphic designer and his job is literally his upwork ad page like he just gets so much customers from his upwork ad he doesn't like he he wouldn't even be able to have the time to have a normal job it's that strong yeah, dude, yeah yeah no, yeah i mean upwork like it's insane. i think upwork and, and that's the type of thing like like x and again like, i think a lot of those things you can you can do on x it's just i think structuring how you find those people and and you have to kind of do it manually whereas upwork kind of builds the features to manage that process you know uh yeah it's a lot harder than x because x has got quite a bad name currently for kind of sales guys and people who are kind of doing outreach for their their skills and their businesses because it, there's memes that go around quite a lot in the, in the communities that people that reach out to say i can grow your business page to fifty thousand followers in six months and then you click on their page and they've got four followers <laughs> So you're kind of looking at like if you can grow my page to such heights, why have you not done it to your own? Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. So it gets about me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, again, I you know I know there's definitely a lot of things like that and bots and different things. Um, yeah, so I think it's fair. It's fair, fair feedback for sure. Yeah. So we'll kind of move on to now more of. The modern day type of uh, topics around business because there's so many but i'm trying my best to stay away from the cliche and the more viral ones because they just they get my mind racing and get me angry about the whole thing so we'll start off with the one that you sent me this is i was what i was reading up on it again before we started was zuckerberg's allegations we'll say <laughs> It's been quite the situation. <laughs> yeah, man. I, well, I, when I saw that at, at first, like, dude, every time I see videos like that now, I always at first, I'm like, wait, is this fake? Like, you know, is it like somehow a deep fake and like you have to like kind of examine it. But then once you're like, all right, I, like it's it seems legit. I uh, came through a good source, whatever. But, I, you know, I, I, I saw it. I was like at first, like, I, you know, I thought 
I guess he, I don't know. What I really think about Zuckerberg, I, it's like, does do you think he really knew? Like, <laughs> you know, I think the. Re- I don't know because he has got some very questionable warnings on Facebook. Like, there's a lot of things that I'd scroll past on Facebook and it'll be like, warning, this video contains what could be considered abuse. And then there's a button to say, reveal video anyway. So, I. It it can hold ground. Definitely can hold ground. And that's fair. I like I again like I would look at it like this. If it like if he is guilty, it's despicable. And but I would say this too. I, I saw the apology that he gave there, and it like you gotta respect that to some level. You know, he stood up, apologized. Uh, you know, I think whatever the accountability is, if he is guilty, I think should be there. You know, um, and if and you know that's kind of how I see it. But it but if if he like. And again, that's where I think there is some distinction sometimes in people. It's like, did he really know or like, was he trying not to know? And then maybe that's just as guilty. But, I, you know, again, I, you know, I don't know all the intricacies of those specifics, those specifics, you know. Yeah, it could, it could have very well just been kind of pushed to the side. The only thing that makes me think there's a high, very, very high chance that he actually knew nothing about it was that people I know are still getting hacked in Facebook very easily so there could just be a something wrong with his security and fairness or something might have just infiltrated it yeah yeah but i i mean i know that all too well dude like my my account like i used to have a facebook and it got hacked people were like yeah dude like there's like his stuff was so and like i agree with you like and if he didn't know i think he should be like held accountable probably even still because then it's like well how what do you mean you didn't know you know, uh, yeah, it was your job. Yeah, it's like literally, like, well, like, who's supposed to know? And then the question is, like, well, who is accountable? Like, who is like, is can anybody like, do we do anything? I, I don't know, but you know, yeah, well, something so big as Facebook or Meta, whatever it's called now, I can't keep track. It, it's it's almost like it, it's bound to be impossible for him to know everything about us at the moment. It's so big, and it's going to just keep getting bigger, regardless of how many people say it's outdated. Like, I don't know how he would be able to, to know everything that's going on with it. Yeah, that's, it's a fair point, uh, you know, and, and again, uh, you know, I don't know the necessary, but I think absolutely there should be an investigation, and if he is found guilty, he needs to pay the price for that, dude. I mean, I, I think it's disgusting. Like, if he, especially if you knew and did nothing, dude, I, to me, I find that just reprehensible, dude. Yeah, his reaction when it was brought up kind of does make me feel like it was maybe someone just behind the scenes involved with it and he actually had no idea because it was almost like when they said it, he was he was like me reading it, kind of like, what? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult to know. It, if, it's in, if it's going around the internet as quickly as it is, it could very well be, as you said, deep fake earlier. Yeah. Very, very well. Mm-hmm. So we'll go to uh, uh, something I loved researching whenever I had American coming on was the political state in America. It's it's just so entertaining to me because in Ireland there's not as much media buff about it. There's not as much contro- like controversies or it's not really much. Like the media doesn't really overlay it as much. But in America it seems like Whoever's involved with politics in America is it's it's destined to be the next big superstar. Yeah, it is. It's it's very political here, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, obviously, whenever you bring up America and politics, Donald Trump is the first person to come to the name, and it's been kind of circling quite a lot now recently with things going wrong and laws being kind of confused and stuff people are going back to asking how bad was the donald trump time was it terrible as everybody thinks or was it not as bad as the media made out yeah dude you know it it, it's definitely a a good subject a good topic i mean again everything's always so mixed right (laughs) like it's like like you're right i think America is very like political at this point because like most things you watch it either leans one way or the other. You can find things in the middle, but you have to know where to look and kind of what to trust. But like I, I think part of the issue is that right. It's like I think 
I don't know about Trump specifically. I'm not, I'm not, I don't follow like any cases or things like that specifically, but I am aware of like a lot of the stuff around him. But again, I don't think, I don't necessarily think Trump's out to like hurt anybody. I think at this point we're, it's like, I mean, again, if we can, you know, if everyone can get behind a candidate and we can all kind of do the things we think need to be done, I think that's really the goal. I, not necessarily quabbling about so many specific things because like one side hates Trump, one side hates Biden. And it's just like, I don't, again, it's, it's like, how do you compromise here? How do you, what, what's the, what's the resolution? What's the path forward is the question. You know? Yeah. It seems a lot like, as you said, that it seems to be split. One side hates Trump, one hate, one side hates Biden, but they never come out and say what they actually want. <laughs> so you can't find the muddle ground. You can't find the person that's got everything they actually yeah. want. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's fair. And then they never come back to anything either. Like, it would be some big trendy thing. And then like ne the next week it's all just gone. And well, they're like, what happened? Did that ever, was it resolved? And they, they, I mean, that's something they do that with everything, but there are a lot of things that just get like fell behind or like fall behind everything, you know? Yeah. So, uh, kind of thinking how does to kind of link it together with this, but someone was saying on a YouTube video, they were doing kind of like a debate that, they think the reason why people like Trump and Biden and even Barack Obama to some extent get like kind of shaded on what the media in terms of politics is because they are such big names. Because once you bring their name up, it's kind of like everybody looks in that direction because they think something entertaining is going to happen rather than something political. Yeah, I mean, well, that's like, I think that's part of it, right? Because like, if you look at both parties at this point, both like, Again, there's just been this this sensational kind of waves of things that have been going through media and through people over the years, right? And I think, um, you know, so to some level, it, it's hard to say like, hey, what was just a viral sensation versus what was, uh, you know, uh, what was needed versus you know what was acted upon, you know, whatever. But but my point is, is like, hey, if um, you know, over time, I I, I think it, it it's hard to say. I think both candidates are kind of in a similar spot in that sense. To me, it's just, I think what Biden is doing is unacceptable. Um, and so a lot of times I think what happens, at least now what I've seen is people are voting just because they don't like the other candidate, right? It's like, you know, yeah. some, I'm not saying everybody because I'm not, and again, I'm not even saying, I think Trump is a, a good viable candidate. I don't, I haven't really seen any reason otherwise specifically, but I can tell you with Joe Biden, I know I can give you specific areas and say like, hey, this is unacceptable and what's going on here. And so I think now it's just voting against that person, really, for each side. Yeah, I was following along with a, a tweet recently that it was kind of like there were so many comments coming on. It was updating as you were reading it and they were talking about. Obviously, I, I don't I'm obviously not an American, so I don't know if it was a joke or not, but Kanye West put himself in for the polling and people were talking about how he actually did get accepted into the polling and they were talking about everyone's doing as you said they're kind of just voting against people there's not even so much of the people they're voting for have the morals and right the, the they're not even from the side of the story they actually yeah. want they're doing it just because they spiked the other person so someone so they were talking about if someone like Kanye West not just Kanye West but someone who is a big public figure was a lot of following comes into it and they do get voted into office what then will the public opinion be whenever they walk in without as much expertise as these people they are voting against uh, dude i couldn't agree more dude it's and they, and that will just get worse over time right because it'll just become becoming more separated more you know, you know what i mean uh yeah it's a, it's a tricky one to think i was i was reading why i was reading through it so much is because it was kind of just sparking ideas in my head constantly about what would actually happen that way but in america obviously growing up what was it like compared to now obviously you see now there's a lot of a lot of violence going on a lot of gun violence a lot of things that are coming up on the international america daily that are they kind of make you take a step back and like no think what's going on is this a real place what was it like compared to back maybe whenever you were growing up where it maybe wasn't i wouldn't say glamorized but publicized as much um, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I, I just saw this thing where it was like, 
it was like that we they they just found evidence of like humans like 20,000 years ago, which is like a lot longer ago than they originally thought. Like when I was a kid, you know, you kind of grow up, you know, thinking like, hey, like you, you can't necessarily help where you're born, you know, or like kind of, yeah. you know, so you kind of just grow up like that. But it's good to know like what's been before you. Like when, when I was young, I always tried to look what, what's been before me, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was it like for you growing up was as dangerous as it seems now uh well i grew up like in the like a sit like I, when i was younger i was probably like i was a troublemaker i'd say like i you know i i struggled in school you know and i i would hang out with like you know just kids that would cause trouble and i'd get in trouble you know um i don't know but it wasn't anything bad like it was just normal stuff like when i was younger it was like you went through that a little bit but then you made friends and you know it was just kind of normal i, I would say all pretty normal in, in the sense of like I mean, we didn't have much, you know, we weren't like rich or well off or anything. We just kind of, you know, I had three sisters, no brothers. So it was like, so I grew up with all women, but the yeah. black schools, they were all older than me. So when like, if like if there was a day off of school or whatever, things like that, they would always be there and we'd hang out. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So you said that you can okay, school, kind of you hung around with the wrong people. And obviously now you're to this point where you've got, partners in business and stuff where you obviously must have transitioned into the right environment how did you manage to transition into knowing where a good environment and a bad environment does in terms of friendship and people you're associated with yeah no it's it's like some some deep questions here i mean when i was younger i i think like i i would act out a lot to try to fit in um and what i learned was like the the action like i always thought from what I, I no one ever told me otherwise. I always just thought the more I acted out, the more I would fit in. But by doing that, I did fit in, but it was with a crowd that I was attracting, which was people that made trouble. So, you know, you over, I didn't really know that at first, but over time you kind of learned that. And it was like, well, okay, well, and actually it was like, I used to listen to like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like speeches or like, you know, just like those, those like motivational, <laughs> like what, years ago. People screaming at you. Yeah, through but those would get you so pumped dude, and they'd make you think about shit. So I, like, you know, it was kind of like that, but you know. Yeah. So that's way into trying to find an environment of people thinking like that rather than just going and looking for video. Well, I, so then I started getting into business and I, and again, I, you know, I do thank my, my dad a little bit for that, but it was like, it was a lot of, it was like business. It was like, so like when, I, you know, I didn't actually really get, like, I didn't even like get into business uh, until I was like around 22 ish, but I was probably like a late bloomer, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, just a matter of, finding something that you you can kind of reverse that with and and do good you know or do better yeah you must have found quite a lot of adversity going on out of these business ventures how did you manage to like overcome it and kind of like kind of remind yourself of what you were doing it for say uh, say that again my my apologies yeah being in business with uh, going in and out of different sectors and different businesses you must have faced a lot of adversity and people going against you. So how did you manage to overcome that and push through it to still be in business now? Yeah. Um, how did you face it? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it was just, again, if you surround your yourself with people that have done what you're looking to do, okay, you kind of pick those things up and that adversity, like one of the things I picked up was like, you have to have thick skin. I didn't, like when I was younger, but like I always thought, I always like had side businesses. Like I remember having like a vape, an online vape store at one point where, um, you know, but, and so and when you're like, but, but, but I, there's a lot of pride. Like when you're young, there's a lot of pride a lot of times with what somebody's doing and they're not able to really dynamically adjust to what's needed to actually have a business. They kind of forget about the business. Like, you know, in order for a business run, you, you do need money, you do need capital, but like, you know, obviously the business shouldn't be focused around that, but it does need that in order for it to, um, you know, work, you know? Yeah. Whenever you were talking through that and you were answering it, the only thing that come into my head was there's this picture going around on the internet and I think it was Alex Hermosi who originally started it where it's like a guy standing against a wall and in front of them there's like a massive auditorium just filled with people and they're all 
just looking at him, the old angry faces, and his little speech bubble coming out of him, and it just says, you're all wrong. And it kind of just makes me think of, like, that is kind of, even if it's just not business, if anything they want, that you want to do that you're passionate about, it is kind of, you have to almost be delusional to the point to think, I'm right for doing this, and everyone who thinks that I'm wrong for it is just blatantly wrong about that. Right, right. Well, exactly. And and, and I learned, like, and again, I learned like, so it's like, you want to separate that when like, so there are things that I want to do. I am passionate about. And, and, and I separated that from making money, right? You separate like the emotion from the money. So like, you know, I can't do some of the, the personal things I want to do without money. So the first goal has to be money, but it's not really the whole goal. And I think that's really what's important, you know? Yeah. What you said there was perfect about you have to separate the emotion from money because Yesterday I spoke to Kai and he was talking about how he was talking about how making content with nobody really interacting with it, engaging it, liking it, having no real following. And me and him were talking about it for maybe about an hour with nobody in the space. And we were just kind of relating it to how many people would do something like we were doing, just creating content, talking about how we could elevate our content for an hour with zero people watching and many people would do that in their own area that they're passionate about where there's no applause there's no hand up when you fall there's no pat in the back and you've done something good how many like, how long would people really last and it, the, the harsh reality is it's 99 percent of the world would crumble but it's that one percent that are the that the 99 percent look up to yeah it's fair i mean i and and i think yeah, I, I totally agree. But I, I you know, I, I and, and what where, where I guess what comes to my mind when you say that it's just like, it's like that gap, right? Be, like, like, when you come out of college now, right? The question is, like, what's the gap between your knowledge and what knowledge you really need? Right? Um, or, or not even college, it could just be like, whatever you're doing, but by the time you try to start your business, what knowledge have you gained? Or how did you acquire that knowledge? And I think, it's a huge topic. You know, I think that you could just spend like a whole, but I, so I think education yeah. itself is, I think is big, but that's where it's key because I think you could train people much younger and, and, and not everyone's like fit to be everything. And that's why, like, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I don't know, like the, I don't know if there's like a perfect solution or if it's not, that's not quite revealed yet. Uh, but that's kind of what, you know, what comes to mind. I don't think there really is a perfect solution. I don't think there ever will be. It's just kind of, as you said, not everyone's built to be successful as and and as as little words as possible. But I think the problem most people have is they get to a certain point where it would it would be a lot more difficult to achieve what they imagine in their head than it would be if they had it started when it first came to their head. So they sit kind of in regret. So there's many people that I know, many people that are 40 plus that they they have average normal lives, but there was a period where they did go for that passion, that dream they had, and it just didn't work out. But they can sit back now and look at it, and people come up to them and go, you're not upset that it didn't go your way, do you not regret anything? And they can just sit and say, no. Because I went for it. I just wasn't for me. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, that's exactly right, dude. Like, I, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I actually failed a couple times saying just that, you know. But but then, like, I realized, okay, I'll try it again. And like, so I, I just still think even then sometimes, like, sometimes it is the right path. It's just, hey, let go. But sometimes another opportunity awakens at some point or may not. But I think that's, uh, yeah, no, I think that's cool, yeah. Yeah, that's probably that. This is probably the best. That's probably the best topic now to round it off with. Is what you said is as we we spoke in DMs and you mentioned that you had multiple things that failed. So the big thing that I see anyway with this is maybe just from my point of view, but a lot of people that do these have these failures and you know something doesn't go right. They kind of think that that is the end of it. So how did you pull yourself up from that fall? Um. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, maybe the best thing, like, you know, I, and maybe, like, this this advice could be, like, a little controversial, but, like, 
it's like so one like i again i started out more as like a software engineer just kind of pure of heart hey i'm more interested in engineering and kind of work through jobs got a software engineer job testing job you know all the different types of roles and then worked up um and i and i think like you know in that mindset it's i had much less of a sales or even like a business mindset i thought i had a business mindset but it was more just a technical mindset and a small sliver in a company right um and then what when i there was a point where i, I worked at the tour guy and, and my boss at the time was very different like he was very different than any any boss i've ever i had ever worked for ever <laughs> and it was like it was like cool it was like i like he would he would speak much more direct more openly about things like money and like you know just being very aggressive on his mentality towards what he's trying to do right and i started to kind of see like the levels of what was okay like what what levels was it really okay to unleash right and you start to kind of see pictures of how some of these businesses are really run i mean some of these people are nuts dude and anyway so it's like so it was like that i think i think and that shifted my mindset more to understand what it was going to take to have a successful business if that makes sense yeah i do i i like that what you said about some people are just crazy in their own mind but uh this is something that, that someone dm'd me asking to ask you couldn't they seen that i was talking to someone who's, who's quite heavily involved with businesses they wanted to know if you've ever encountered have you have you ever watched the wolf of wall street i love that movie dude <laughs> that movie's hilarious have you ever encountered someone like those people maybe not exact carbon copies but similar i well yeah dude 100 i mean do you find people that are running those businesses where one of their favorite movies is that movie <laughs> yes <laughs> so, so like i but that's not to say that they're all like a a, a facsimile or like the same thing of or a carbon copy right it's like a lot of times it could be a variation but but that type of stuff does in, 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 incite that type of mindset, right? And so they can fuel it, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah. How common is it? Because people do believe that that show is, it's kind of like an anomaly. Well, I would say I worked at a company where the CEO loved that movie. That was his favorite movie. So would you say that he based his actions off? That I, I don't know, but again, it was just like like I just has a very anecdotal situation. That's not to say like a lot of them, but I, again, it was just for me it, the odds of it happening at one was you know just to say. But but again, it's a good. I think there's a lot you you can learn from it too. It's not just like it's like what went wrong there, you know, and think about that, you know. But yeah, if you strip back the cocaine and the <laughs> horrible activities, you could probably could find some good business lessons yeah. down there. You know, you just take out the psychopathy um, from it and you're good, <laughs> you know? So the last thing I wanted to ask you was, as you seem to be, you seem to be the, the old school type of business owner, very focused, very one lane tunnel vision. How do you feel about these people now on social media that are like, kind of glamorize the business side of things? People like Luke Belmer, who's becoming kind of a venture capitalist and Andrew Tate, who claims to have multiple businesses sales guys like andy elliott that as soon as you open tiktok he's screaming that you shouldn't raise your kids you should be selling cars instead yeah dude i i think um you know i i think it's 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 interesting like because I, I think like there's a lot of good like if you take almost anybody like almost if you just took any controversial figure there's some element of them that could resonate or is good. And so it's hard to say like, Hey, maybe because one part of them, maybe someone can see it a little bit differently than others. And there's a lot of different perspectives, but I, I would say like, I think, um, I like a lot of the messaging, like, and I'll just use like uh, Andrew Tate as an example. I, I, I know he's a bit aggressive and he's a bit like his messaging is a little weird sometimes, but, uh, but I think, what I like about him is just the confidence and his ability to really to show or at least portray, um, you know, kind of his, his, him himself and what he's trying to do and convey that. I, you know, I think I, I but again, I don't necessarily watch a lot of that, but I, and I don't have a lot of other figures that I necessarily look at, but I do watch Tate and I think I, I like a lot of his stuff. Some of it's like a lot, <laughs> very aggressive, I'd say, but like, you know, it, it was very, like, <laughs> I, Quite I totally <laughs> respect people to have their own opinions and then and then say that 
uh, in their own way. And like, and I, as long as like, we're all, as long as we don't like, we're not hurting each other and we're not killing each other. And we genuinely have other people's best interest at heart. You know, the way you say that or the way you get out there and do that, I don't necessarily have a problem as long as it's not hurting people and people aren't like, it's not, you know, offending people or to the point where like, you know, uh, that, but I don't think any of that's happening. I think again, not, you know, so, but anyway, my, that's my point. Uh, I don't, you know. Yeah, I listened to Andrew Tate appear on a podcast with George Janko recently, and George Janko's quite a religious person. He's very clean lifestyle, so it's quite cool to see the two sides. But he, they were talking about Tate's kind of earlier messages and when he was blowing up, and he was saying things that weren't the, weren't the most public friendly. But he said in it that people confuse content with the truth and it does get me thinking of like people are watching this genuinely taking him for face value we don't realize is he's thought in his head of a lesson of life or a business lesson and he's decided how can i blow this completely out of proportion so people will look at it and he's not he's maybe not putting the message out directly he's maybe is adding some fireworks and some explosions to it but there is, there is a lot of messages can be learned from these people. I know anyway, personally, I worked, looked at Luke Belmer quite a lot. He's he's becoming a venture capitalist yeah. and he's got a very bad public opinion because it almost seems like everything he says, he's bragging. But the thing is about it, if you look into his background, look into his lifestyle, he's doing it because he's got a right to brag. If you look at how much he's done and like his earlier his earlier work, he was talk he was just basically just telling stories. And if people took the time to go back and look at those things, they realize these people have been through the trenches of life. Like they deserve to kind of blow up their lessons as much as they can to get more eyes on. Yeah, yeah, no, no but but again, that's that's the name of the, uh, the the name of the game in today's world is like how do you catch someone catch someone's attention better to do something you know um but i would say yeah. with like with tate though i again i you know i connect with him on a on a on a on a good number of things like just like like and in, and in, in, you know i again i didn't have like the best childhood in terms of like your know, rules and <laughs> you know so i understand a lot of that and i um it, it just resonates with me you know but yeah, definitely. I do agree. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I had wrote down anyway. Um, yeah, I think this has been actually quite enjoyable. It's been quite insightful compared to my other ones where we talk about on the two other podcasts, we talk quite a lot about people who are quite up and down stories to where they've actually got to. It was quite good to sit down and have a real kind of educated discussion about a particular industry that's quite, it's quite it's been quite glamorized at the moment and i think that there's some incredible incredible advice that you've gave that people could really really take home with them yeah dude appreciate your time too man anytime man if, uh you know always uh, if you have any other podcasts or anything do just i know i love to listen or, or whatever so yeah i definitely will hit you up again in the future anyway i'm going to try and get everyone else everyone that i've interviewed i'm going to try and get them all back on at a later date and kind of do kind of more of like a life update and then get into more of who they are as a person type of thing. This is more just kind of glamorizing their story. Got it. Yeah. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it, man. No problem at all, Todd. Thank you very much for your yeah, time. Yeah, man. Have a good, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You yeah, too. Bye. bye.